0: I always believed that, um, you know, we, we could get to the Kentucky Derby and win it. I always, I've always said I feel like there's a Kentucky Derby with my name on it, and um, I mean, hopefully this will be the one. I mean We got a fantastic uh, opportunity this year.
1: Welcome to What's Next with Eric Wood presented by Twin Spires, where we will inspire you to make your what's next in life your best yet by learning from some of the best of the best. With this week being the week of the greatest two minutes in sports, the Kentucky Derby, we are blessed to have one of the best, if not the best, horse trainers in the entire world join us, and that's Brad Cox. Brad grew up just two blocks from Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky, and will try this week to become the first Louisville trainer to ever win the Kentucky Derby when he brings the current favorite, Essential Quality, to the race. We gave away the Derby winner on the podcast last year with Bob Baffert and hope to do the same this year for you. There are over 100,000 new podcasts being released each week, so it means a lot to me that you spent your time tuning into this episode. I can't wait for you to hear Brad's inspiring words on this podcast, and if you love it, please share with a friend and on social media and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy. Brad, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me on here.
1: Absolutely, and, and I can't thank you enough for your time and such a busy time for you being in the horse industry, but to grace the listeners with your presence on Derby Week, last year this time we had Bob Baffert on, he ended up winning the Kentucky Derby, hopefully it's a great omen for my man right here, Brad, and let's give let's give the audience a little bit of a background, were you into sports as a kid or were you always
0: gravitated towards the horses? No, you know, I, I like basketball, baseball, football. Grew up playing, you know, basketball and and baseball rec league and uh, grew up close to Churchill Downs. And uh, now, you know, I mean, once probably my dad would take me to the track when I was, you know, at an early age. And that's, you know, I obviously had a passion for racing. And I, I don't know. When I was probably 12 years old, I was like, man, I, I, would, I would somehow try to make a living Um in the racehorse business. I mean, still wanted to be a professional basketball player, but when I got to high school, I found out that wasn't going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, my man
1: Brad is from Iroquois High School here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, And what a special deal um, to now have a horse in the Kentucky Derby this year. And you mentioned at age 12, that you wanted to, to be in horse training and I got a three-year-old little boy and a five-year-old little girl. We've owned a few horses and I'll take them back to the backside and I'll try and get them the itch early because I really didn't get it till I moved down here in college. But when you're that young and you want to get into the business, what are the steps that you took on early in your career to, to give
0: you a path on this journey? Well, I was fortunate enough to you know, actually live in a neighborhood where some people worked at the track uh, so I, you know, a couple of my friends, their parents worked at the track. So that was, you know, one way of getting onto the backside and getting the access to the horses and stuff. So, um, you know, that, that was fortunate in that regard. Um, but, you know, you just, um, you know, I think when, once I was in high school and when I got through high school, you know, I just took it upon myself to, you know, try to find a job on the, on the track and, you know, learn as much as I could. My mom was a sponge and I just enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it, it, I would have, probably paid the guys I were working for to work for them, you know, I, I would have I paid to work for them as opposed to getting paid to do it. So, I mean, I just, it was, it was a labor of love to say the least.
1: Yeah. And I, I love that you just went out and, and took the bull by the horns. You just went out there mm-hmm. and aligned yourself with the right people, got into the industry, do whatever you could. And that's funny. There, there's not a lot of people that say what they would pay to be in the horse industry, considering what time you guys wake up in the morning at that four or five o'clock range to Get up and train with the horses, but you were in the business for over a decade as a trainer before you had your first graded stakes win. Did you know that success was coming?
0: Yeah, I'd like to believe. It. I mean, I started training on my own. Um, I was right at twenty-five, so I mean, I started a little early. But it was, and it had a little bit to do with just wanting to stay in Kentucky at that time. And I, was, you know, and then I had a lot of, you know, early years that were really rough. I mean, you can look at my career stats. That you know, it didn't, it didn't just all of a sudden start training. You know, off, uh, off we went. Um, you know, it took a lot of a lot of years and a lot of um, you know trial and error and uh, you know um, experience to to get to where we are. Obviously, and like you said, it took us a while to win our first graded stake, and uh, um, you know it's uh, it, it, w- it was a, it was a long road to getting to that first graded stake win. I think in 2014. So. Um, um, it's, um, you know, it's, it, did, it didn't come easy. I promise you that. There was a lot of late nights at Turfway Park, long days in the summer at Ellis Park, drives to Indiana Downs. And, um, you know, it it's, uh, definitely uh, takes some time and some effort and a lot, of, a lot of hard work by a lot of people in our uh, organization.
1: Yeah, that's the non-glamorous side of the business. People see you on TV winning the Kentucky Oaks and celebrating and getting interviewed on NBC afterwards. They don't see all that went into that journey to get to that point. Everyone wants to be that top trainer, but not a lot of people are willing to sacrifice as much as you did along the way. I loved hearing your wife talk about in an interview recently that she knew because of your dedication that this success was one day coming. Did you always have the confidence that at one time you were going to climb
0: to the top of the profession? Well, yeah, I always believed that you know I I, I could, you know, I, if you if I was given the opportunity with the better horses, I felt like I could you know compete at the high end or the at the top, and um, you know, but you got to work, you got to kind of start at the bottom and work with cheaper horses and and try to improve some of those and and bring them up, and, and uh, you know that shows the the clientele that have you know twenty two year olds that like hey you know. Um, you know, they'd like to give me 10 of them. But, yeah, it's um, – I always believed that, um, you know, we we could get to the Kentucky Derby and win it. I always, I've always i always said I feel like there's a Kentucky Derby with my name on it, and um, I mean, hopefully this will be the one. I mean, we got a fantastic uh, opportunity this year.
1: I love that. Speak it into existence. I always say that whatever you want in life, talk about it, be about it. Speak into mm-hmm. existence. You also throw it out there. You've got to be accountable for your actions to go out and get it because your boys, your wife, whoever it's going to be will call you out. On that, um, if you don't go after it at that time, what separates, in your eyes, the top horse trainers from from those that aren't winning the greatest stakes? Is it opportunity? Is it horses? Or is it what you mentioned? Like you have to put in the work to develop a few to get to that point.
0: Yeah, it's um, there, there's obviously not one thing I can mention, but I you know a couple of things I think are just the t- is the time the time you put into this. Um, I think, uh, most of all these top trainers in the country work, I mean, pretty much all day long. Um, I mean, even if you're, you know, working on what you have in your barn, you're working on, um, you know, a horse sale. I mean, like we have OBS, um, Ocala going, o- o- the OBS sales going on in Ocala right now. And I mean, unfortunately I wasn't able to attend it, but I mean, I've still worked it over the phone. Um, you know, with some, some agents and owners. And, and it's, you know, been something that, um, you know, will bring more horses into the barn. But it, it's just like it, – it, I would – am obviously never coached NFL football, but I hear about NFL football guys just watching film. And, you know, when the off season, you know, they're, um, you know, still planning and, and coaching. And, um, you know, you know that drill, obviously, as well as anyone. But it, it's just – it's a nonstop job. And it, you get out what you put in. And, and it's, it's no different with probably coaching the NFL team than it is training racehorses. I mean, I think last week there was a nine-day span where I was, on, I was in the Atlanta airport six out of nine days, of, oh. you know, catching a flight. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a lot, but, you know, it, it's, um, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of work, but it's a great reward when you're winning great at stakes, bottom line.
1: Yeah, you talk about that work with NFL coaches, and that's why I'm sitting in front of a microphone right now because when when my career ended, I with a five- and a three-year-old at home, I wasn't willing to go put in those hours. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's times when I'm calling a Bills game and and I'm a little bitter after the game when I can't walk in that locker room and celebrate with the guys, but I didn't put in the work to get there. And, right. and that's all well and fine. But, man, that, that work and dedication that the coaches put in, and, and we're hearing it now through the horse trainer, and there's work in any industry. Mm-hmm. Man, there's just some – there's periods of long hours and you mentioned the horse sale and and I don't want you to give away all your tricks and secrets but I want to know like one thing that you're looking for when the horse is walking out like that maybe someone isn't and the only reason I asked this is it blew my mind when we were looking to buy a horse one time and they said watch if the back hoof replaces the front one and mm-hmm. that means they have a good stride when they walk. And, you know, everyone's got different deals in
0: horse racing. Mm-hmm. What's one goofy one that, that you'll look at? As far as, um, like, buying a horse, the first thing I'll normally look at is their head. Um, I'm just, like, I think there's there's horses that just have elegant heads that, you know, are pretty – classy looking horses and there's horses that I would say maybe have like maybe more of a jug head <laughs> you know it's just like it's just, horses right. are like humans they're not they're not all the same and some are not as attractive as others but that's probably the one thing I look at when I go to two-year-old sale yearling sales probably the first thing I'll look at is their head and I'll either make a you know if I don't really like their head I probably can't like the horse a whole lot um, that's probably the one thing at the sales that I pick up on that You know, that for personal, I mean, maybe some other people do that too, but that's probably the first thing I look at stuff in their head.
1: That's hilarious to me. But honestly, every single morning you're going to have to look at that face staring out of the stall at you. You better like that face (laughs) that's looking back at you. Exactly. And if you ever go back on it now and pick out a big old jug head and it stinks, you'll never you never forgive yourself for picking the yep. one that you said you wouldn't. That, that's hilarious. Exactly. to me.
0: Exactly.
1: So you win the 2020 eclipse award for most outstanding trainer. And, mm-hmm. and I've seen you in enough interviews and I know you're not going to brag on yourself here, but talk a bit a little bit about the team around you. Cause I've heard you brag about the team that you have
0: around you. Yeah. I mean with what we got going on with this many horses, I mean, obviously cannot do this on my own, but you know, we, we have a great, great um, group of assistants and, and uh, that, you know, I've been with us a long time. I mean, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, on board. I always feel like everyone's, um, you know, on board with trying to get the job done in the afternoons with winning races and doing right by the horse as well. And that's first and foremost. And uh, it's, it's just, we, you know, you can't do this without, uh, you know, a great team, bottom line. And, um, you know, we've got four great assistants at four different locations that work really well and, and um, you know, wouldn't trade them for anyone. They do a fantastic job and it's led to the success that we're having over the last four or five years for sure. How special is it for you to work with your sons? It's amazing. And, and you know, it's nothing that I've ever thrown on them or tried to push on them. They've just naturally, you know, being pretty much raised at the barn um, that they're they love it. They really do. I think they love the competitive side of it. They love the horses. They're great horsemen. They, they're really good at handling horses. Um, and and I, I, they really, really do like the competitive side of it um, as far as they want to win. I mean, they they you know, it's tough to win in this game. And, and they definitely have been bitten by the bug and want to succeed. And at some, some point, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would say at some point, you know, one, and both of them will probably train at some point on their own.
1: That's really cool. And and that competitive side of it is what draws a lot of people to the industry, whether it's on the ownership side or the training side, whatever it may be, that's what draws people to the industry. There's a lot of you know, people that make a good amount of wealth and they'll talk about the best thrill that they get post their big success in their careers is watching their horse make a turn for home and trying to win a race. And it could be a graded stakes or it could be a Wednesday at Keeneland like when we're recording this here and it's that thrill that you get that that becomes addictive I can't imagine if I got to do that over and over again. We mentioned earlier that you have you have a horse running in the Kentucky Derby you're from Louisville no trainer from Louisville has ever won the Kentucky Derby in all the years. What would it mean to you to be the first.
0: Oh, I mean, it would be huge. I mean, I, I just want to win that thing. I don't, right. I don't care if they say I'm from Louisville, St. Matthews, uh, uh, Simpsonville, it doesn't matter. I just want to win that derby. But uh, no, it would be huge. I mean, I've thought about that and there's been some great trainers that have had an opportunity from from Louisville that um, have had an opportunity that have come close. But to be the first, it would be special. It really would. I mean, that would be, you know, go down in history and make the history book. So that'd be that'd be very, very cool. I really, really would mm-hmm. be neat.
1: I know that now that horse racing is truly a global brand, it would make us extremely proud uh, to have one of our own uh, to, to hoist that uh, garland of roses. And that's for sure. When you're at the races on a day-to-day basis, are you betting the
0: races as well? No, I don't bet, I, and I know people probably think I'm lying, but I, I don't. I mean, listen, if if I have a horse that this is just an honest. If I, if I have a horse that I, I say like that's a first time starter, or, and and say I think it's a fair price, say five to one, six to one, and I really thought he had a big shot first. time. Mean, I may bet a hundred bucks, or if um, if I had a horse that I thought would run big first time, and maybe had a bad trip, or I, I knew there was some type of excuse for his bad trip and he come back and he was a decent price. I might like bet a couple hundred dollars, but you know, as far any more than that. No. And I have to have an angle. I don't just set at the races and like look at the program and pick who I think is going to win the race. I I, I have to have, and, and not just my horses. If I, if I'm watching a race and um, you know, I see a horse has a tough trip or, you know, I didn't, he didn't get away good or he ran well, but he's stretching out. And I just make a mental note, like, I think that horse would be be tough next time when he runs back, say, going long. and It's not even my horse. If I happen to be at the races and see that horse is in, I'd maybe bet a couple bucks just because I made that mental note and I remember it, say, a month later. But I don't have time to handicap races. I just don't have time.
1: This episode has been brought to you by Jordan Yokum at Tom James Company. Jordan is my clothing guy, and I get everything from him, from custom suits and dress clothes to casual wear. Let Jordan do the shopping for you to save you precious time that could be focused on your family, career, or hobbies. Jordan can work virtually with anyone in the world, and if he cannot personally get your measurements himself, he will have someone come get them for him. If you have put on the quarantine 15 like many have and your clothes aren't fitting properly anymore, he can also make adjustments to the clothing you already have. There's a certain confidence that comes with having clothes that fit perfect and let Jordan give you that confidence. You can contact him by email at jordan.yokum at tomjames.com or visit his website, louisvillecustomclothing.com. Contact info will be in the show notes. It amazes me talking to horse trainers, and, and I'm saying this because you're making metal notes and you're remembering these horses' names. It amazes me how horse trainers can, throughout history, bring up horses' names. And and I believe that you only have like so much mental capacity. So if you fill your brain with like a bunch of crap, then you're not going to be able to regurgitate it when you need to. That's why sometimes on the broadcast week, I might not watch as much TV or I might not watch as much sports that's not relevant mm-hmm. to mine. Do you struggle with people's names because you have so many horses' names in your head?
0: Um, pro, yeah, that, um, yeah. I can at times uh, struggle with people's names or my sons, Bryson and Blake and Brody. I mean, that's three Bs, so right. I'll call them. But I don't know if that's, um, you know, legit. But, uh, no, I I, I um, I, I definitely am, know more about horses than I do humans, and <laughs> I promise you that. And I get along better with horses than I do humans. <laughs> that's hilarious. A couple more um, surrounding the
1: Derby, and then we'll get to the recurring questions because I want to be sensitive to your time on this busy week. How has Essential
0: Quality been training? Uh, fantastic. I mean um, – He's really, really doing well. His breeze last weekend was spot on, exactly what we were looking for at Churchill. Um, and then you will have another one this weekend. Uh, but as far as how he's doing, he, he's, he's right where. I, I honestly feel like he's ever been as good going into this race right now no he's better going into this race than he was the bluegrass so we're right where I feel like we need to be and happy with how he's moving how, how he's developed mentally and physically and, and we're in a good spot and he loves Churchill so I think we're we're set up for a big effort
1: that's great to hear last one is it tough managing different owners before a race like the Kentucky Derby if there's multiple people involved and, and maybe they have different interests
0: elsewhere is that a tough spot for a trainer to be in at times I don't really feel like it is. I mean, you know, I, um, no, I can't say that it's, it's, um, any tougher than, than have, you know, I we have a large stable. So, I mean, you know, the first year I ran a horse in the Oaks, we were had the opportunity to win it with Monomoy Girl. We also had two other fillies in the race that year. So as far as, um, you know, being able to manage three horses, um, I don't feel like to this point, it's been an issue at all. Good. I'm glad to hear that.
1: All right, let's hit some recurring questions. And we'll get you out of here. What's your favorite book?
0: Ooh, the daily racing form. That's what I thought <laughs> you were going to say. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I mean, I'm not a book reader. I'm just not. Um, I do um, read like uh, the, the thoroughbred daily news online and uh, the Bloodhorse.com and stuff online, but that's probably about as much reading as I do other than the racing form. Good deal. What role does your faith play in your life? Um, it, it, it's, it plays a big role. I mean, um, I don't go to church enough. I promise you that. With, you work a lot of Sundays with, and Saturdays. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll jump in there on Easter Sunday or, or, or uh, um, you know, uh, um, Christmas Eve Mass and stuff. But, uh, um, you know, my wife is definitely a little more <laughs> religious than me. I shouldn't laugh about that or say that, but it, it's definitely the truth. But she tries to keep me in line there. Good deal. What was your first car? Um, I had a, a Buick Skylark. Nice. What <laughs> um, year was that one? Well, I started driving, I guess, when I was in – I guess I started driving in 96. And I I don't know how old the car was. I guess it would have been like an 89, 90, I don't know, to be honest. I just remember it was white. <laughs> it meant a lot to you. Uh, yeah. Who's the most famous person in your phone? Mm, Besides you, um, that's not. Let me see. (laughs) Uh, Dan Issel. um, Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, he's uh, trying to think. That's an interesting. uh, That that's that's a pretty cool. I don't know. I'd say maybe Dan is probably definitely up there. He's he's up there for sure. I used to threaten Rick Pitino.
1: (laughs) Yes, Rick Pitino is a big one. And yeah. uh, especially around this area. And yeah. uh, I used to threaten people to make them call them while they were on the podcast and, and they'd get nervous at times. Uh, <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite restaurant besides Wagner's right next to the track? Favorite
0: restaurant. Um, Jeff Ruby's is good in Louisville. Um, Tony's is good in Lexington. I know they're competitors, but they're both still good. <laughs> um, um Malone's is good in Lexington. Um, Stony River's good in Louisville. Um, I'm sorry, I'm giving you more than one, but they're no. all
1: they're all very very good. Those are great endorsements. Jeff Ruby's a former podcast guest of ours. He's a huge supporter of the horse racing industry, yeah. and it's it's amazing how many people through 81 episodes have said Jeff Ruby's, and that's yeah because a lot of people that aren't from Louisville. They just either had it in Cincinnati or coming for Derby. Yeah, last one for me. What's next for Brad Cox besides winning the Kentucky Derby? Where do you see all this going for you,
0: uh, career-wise? You know, honestly, Eric, I just want to try to build it off of um, you know, you know, hopefully uh, der- multiple derbies. I mean, you know, we-, we got we got to win this first one, um, and you know, we're hopeful that we can get it done in ten days from now, and you know, maybe win a couple of them. And you, know, like I said, I've got two boys that are obviously very involved in the business and one day maybe just give them, give one of them the reins and just let them run with it. I would, I think, I think I will always be involved, but uh, you know, I always said early on, I want to train forever. I never quit. You know, I never want to stop doing this, but at this level that we've played at over the last five years, I don't think you can play at this level like your whole life. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of time, a lot of work and, you know, um, I might want to go hit a golf ball here one of these days and, and just have some fun. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just want to continue to compete on the not, you know, a, a, maybe an international stage beyond this, um, you know, maybe win some races in Dubai, Saudi Arabia, Ascot, something like that. That would be something that, uh, you know, moving forward, we could, you know, maybe venture over across season to have some success.
1: And I'd love to hear it. And you're right. When you go all in and you compete at that top level, At times you can't sustain it forever, but that's the greatness. That's your period of greatness. Uh That's like your time that, you know, guys don't spend their – entire life in the nfl it's going to wear on you to a point eventually you're going to right. get out it's about maximizing that time and, yeah. and honestly for someone who's made their home in louisville kentucky split part of the time between here and buffalo but always kept a home in louisville you make us proud every week when i turn on the races and i see your name come across the screen you're from iroquois high school south end of louisville i'm from the west side of cincinnati that's where i grew up very similar uh backgrounds as far as just being blue collar all about the work ethic. So. I've, I've known about you for so long, um, so much respect for you, and the fact that you took some time out to uh, uh, grace us with your with your words here today. I'm just appreciative, brother. Thanks,
0: Eric. I really appreciate it, and thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. Let's go win a derby. All right, buddy. See you soon. Thanks. See you.
1: This episode is also brought to you by Punched Energy Chews, and these have become a favorite product of mine for energy and fitness. They use a patented formula with tons of scientific studies, and they start with pure green Arabica coffee bean caffeine. It improves your physical and mental performance, increases your metabolism. Helps burn calories and body fat, and they also help boost your immunity, which is very important at this time because they're a great source of vitamin C. They're also ultra-low glycemic, no spikes, no bounces, and no crashes. What you're going to do is go to punchedenergy.com, use code ERICWOOD20 for 20% off. Give them a try. Link in the show notes. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or with your followers on social media. Also, shoot us a rating and support the sponsors whose information is in the show notes. Until next time, as I tell my daughter before she leaves for school every day, spread some joy and make it the best day ever.